Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. Happy to have you with us on this Sunday morning. And a cause that is near and dear to my heart, and one of my favorite organizations here in town, is Gateway Domestic Violence Services. They do a lot, and it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I've got Janine Klippel with me. Good morning, Janine. Good morning, Melissa. So tell me what is going on. When we first talked, we talked, I think it was kind of beginning of the whole quarantining and COVID thing, and, and domestic violence was up. Has that changed at all? Unfortunately, no. We keep trending upwards in our numbers. Um, I think it's just um, impacting so many different people in so many different ways, and domestic violence survivors are not in any different place. Right. Yeah. Why do you why do you think that uptick is happening? I mean, I can guess we've talked about it before, but I think you explain it so well. Uh, well, you know, I think it, it's um, because all of us, even if we're in a really happy relationship or not even in a relationship, we're still having such ups and downs in our emotions, a lot of anxieties, a lot of fears. And um, I think, you know, that's still happening for victims of domestic violence. And the abusers maybe have lost their job. Maybe the um, survivor lost their job. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, um, you know, they're suffering with financial stress. Uh, people that are already tending to be abusive are looking at this to feel more justified in isolating their victim because that's a big part of domestic abuse is keeping keeping them away from family and friends that could possibly support them. So now, you know, when we've had stay-at-home orders and you're mm-hmm. supposed to stay at home as much as you can, even when they were lifted, and, you know, don't get in big groups of people. So it's just like another justifiable excuse to say, oh, we, we're not going to go see family. And, you know, and people are coming down with the virus. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are afraid to go out and do fun things and get together with people they might have gotten together with before and gotten support. And just, you know, it it revives your soul a little when you hang out with friends or family members or neighbors that, you know, you really enjoy their company. We're not really doing that as much. We're told not to do that as much. People aren't traveling. People aren't going to, you know, having big barbecues over the summer. So it's really affecting people's mental state and of course, it's going to do the same thing for abusers, and they're finding all kinds of new tactics through this, um, what we're hearing from the, the people that call our crisis line, to, to abuse their partners, even uh. even new things. What? Yeah, I would love to hear about that. I mean, I don't want to hear about it, but let's right. get the word out. What are some of these new things that you have heard of? Well, you know, like um, withholding necessary items that they might need during this, like hand sanitizer, disinfectants, maybe their insurance cards, maybe medical attention. We've heard that they have um, misshared, um, given bad information to to people about what's happening with the pandemic and, you know, really frightening people. So they're more afraid to even reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely... Um, impacted programs like ours, you know, um, we're not able to bring in as many people because we have to um, social distance. And so, um, you know, and people are afraid to reach out because they think, well, maybe they're in a high-risk category, and so they don't want to... um, come into a shelter. Maybe, um, you know, public transportation has really changed. People can't really fly as easily as before, so right. maybe, or safely, and so maybe they aren't going to be able to fly somewhere and get support or take the bus to get counseling, you know, so there's just a lot of things that's happening there. And, you know, when there's um, families, you know, are feeling crowded, 
even if you're really happy with the family that you're with, you know, you need your space and, right. and you're not getting away because the kids aren't going to school. So we're having to be um, our kids' teacher several days a week, um, and that's adding stress. And so, you know, it's really when you add all this stuff up, the isolation, the threat of contracting the disease yourself, maybe not being able to go to the hospital and visit a, a family member or a dear friend that's sick, you know, all of those things add to the stressors and um, just are used by the abuser to keep their victim under more control. And domestic violence is about power and control. That's what I was just going to ask you. I mean, that's kind of the crux of it, isn't it? That's, that is the crux of it. It is not a mental illness. It's not caused by alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Certainly that can ease some of the inhibitions and maybe make the abuse more uh, severe, perhaps. But that doesn't cause it. A lot of people are alcoholics and don't abuse, and a lot of abusers don't drink. So it's not caused by that at all. It stems from power and control issues, wanting to take away the power from somebody else and keep them in control. And so now they're having these new tactics that they've come up with to do that during this crisis. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry, coffee going down the wrong way. It's all right. Um, Do you, as you talked to victims of domestic violence and who are going through it right now, do you get a sense that they feel trapped? Oh, my goodness, yes. And if it wasn't bad enough before, I mean, they felt trapped before. There's so many reasons. You know, we always hear that question, oh, why do they stay? And, you know, if it was happening to me, I would just leave. And, I, you know, I caution people because there's so many reasons why they do feel trapped and why they can't leave mm-hmm. um, or why they may have a perception that they can't, you know. And so I think it's really important for people to understand and, and stop asking that question, start asking, you know, what is the abuser threatening them with to make them stay? What has the abuser taken away from them, not giving them access to leave? Um, You know, sometimes they withhold money, even if they're the ones making the money. um, They withhold their paycheck. And if you don't have money and you don't have, you know, some of those kind of extra resources, you're not going to be able to escape, or at least you don't think you can. And, you know, and they do feel a little more trapped because they are, you know, always around their abuser um, in many cases. And so how do they, um, how are they able to reach out and contact us? Well, and, and I would have to imagine that that question of if it was me, I would leave. Why don't they just leave has to bring an element of shame to it, too, to an already just heartbreaking situation. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're being abused by somebody who claims to love you, they're, you know, in your own home, somebody who, you know, um, whether you're married or not, you know, you know you're in an intimate relationship because that's what domestic violence is, abuse in an intimate relationship. It's, it's shameful, humiliating to have to admit that to somebody, anybody, that, you know, they're choosing to do this to me. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to do that. But, of course, when you, you get into victim blaming, it just devalues you as a person. It um, just, you know, makes you feel like it is your fault, where you're, um, you know, you just can't seem to make sense of it, you know, and it's exhausting, you know, having all of that um, shame on you and always, you know, second guessing everything you're doing and asking, you know, why, why would they do this to me? You know, I'm trying my best. And, you know, it, it, it just that, you know, and that exhaustion lends itself to not being able to leave too. Right. I mean, there's just a long, long list of reasons why um, people are not able to leave. 
And domestic violence doesn't just have to be physical, correct? Yes, and I'm so glad you said that because domestic violence takes many forms. It can be sexual abuse. I mean, if you tell your partner no and they take it anyway, um, you know, we're married, we're together, you know, that, that's sexual abuse. Financial abuse, like I was mentioning, um, even if you're the one who, who made the paycheck, they might take it and not give you access to your money. That's so common. There's spiritual abuse, maybe using your religion and your religious beliefs against you. Uh, there's, um, of course, like we said, the physical, but there's like threats, emotional emotional abuse, you know, all of that, you know, if it doesn't feel safe and loving and warm to you, it's abusive. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and we're here to support any of that, you know, and I do think it's great you brought it up, Melissa, because I don't want people to think, well, you know, they've never hit me or they've never pulled a weapon on me, so I don't have, you know, I'm not a victim. Yes, if they have threatened you, made you feel, um, you know, like you were afraid to do something, you know, if it doesn't feel right in your gut, it's probably not right. Mm -hmm. And you can at least reach out to our um, 24-7 crisis line and talk it through. You know, and I think sometimes people get so used to um, having, being ridiculed and made fun of and threatened that they just start thinking it's normal. Right, right, because that has become their norm. Right. And, you know, it it obviously isn't helping support you and lift you up. And, uh, you know, and that's what relationships are there for, is to have somebody that has your back, that, you know, shows love and concern and wants your safety. If it's not feeling like that, there's a really good potential that that's abusive and Gateway is here to help. And even if you, you know, don't choose to come into shelter, you certainly could utilize our non-residential counseling program, which is 100% operational right now we're doing teletherapy so you you know can um, access that safely Um, and you know that's something that people can use too just to get support and resources and talk their situation through because sometimes it it does just take another person telling you you know that's really not okay Mm -hmm. and and naming it that's domestic violence and you know even though you're used to it it's what's been happening it's it's still not it's still against the law Emotional abuse is still against the law. You're not allowed to threaten people. Well, and even, I, I, w- I would guess, you know, there's the overt threats, but there's also the controlling threats that maybe, you know, somebody else would say, well, that doesn't sound that bad. And it's like, no, it's part of a bigger picture. Well, that's a good point, too, you know, because sometimes they threaten the children or threaten your pets or another family member or threaten, you know, to come to your job and hurt, you know, your friends at your job or whatever it is. And, you know, and they think, oh, that's just, you know, they're jealous or whatever. Well, it's still, you know, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's still domestic violence. And it's still important that they get help and or at least know where help is when they're ready. Because that's the most important thing that we say at Gateway is that we want to meet clients where they're at. We're not the expert on their life. They are. Mm -hmm. And we know they have to do things in their time and their timing. And if they feel judged or pushed, then that would push them away. We just want them to know they can call our crisis line and just talk. They don't have to give their name. They don't have to say anything that would, you know, tell us who they are or anything about that. They can just ask some questions, say, hey, what do you think about this? This mm-hmm. is what I'm feeling, you know. And also super important to do would be to get a safety plan. And they can call our crisis line, get a safety plan, so that they, you know, eventually probably the, the um, threats and emotional abuse will go into physical where we want them to stay safe and their kids to be safe and their pets to be safe. So, you know, we can 
help them design a safety plan that works for them individually because not everything works for everybody. Right. So that's also something that we would really encourage when they're safe to do so. Maybe their partner's in the shower or they left for a few minutes or something. You know, call, take advantage of that time and call us. We can offer some safety plans, some support, and let them know that they're not crazy because that's a big portion of yeah. it too. The gaslighting, yep. um, trying to make you feel crazy. So, you know, we can talk that through and help you find some real solid um, ground knowing that, you know, you're not crazy, that this is not okay, and that, you know, you're worthy of safety. Right. I was going to say, it's got to be at first almost like an education process of somebody calling in and saying, hey, something doesn't feel right. Here's what's going on. And then hearing, hey, what you're experiencing is domestic violence. And now let's talk about that. I mean, that's got to be pretty eye opening for a lot of people that call in. And then that next step is, do you have a safety plan? And I would I would guess a lot of people wouldn't even know what that was. Right. Right, and, and, and I, that's a good point. And so let me just say briefly, a safety plan is something, like we said, we would, make, we would design one that works for your situation, but it's simple things like um, if you have children, you know, have a code word because uh, parents are going to fight. They just mm-hmm. are, you know, and hopefully they're, they're fighting in a fair, safe manner for the family, but if it turns out that they're not, you know, have a safe word. Like if mommy says the word blue, I want you to grab your little brother out of the crib, go hide under the bed, go call 911, run to the neighbor. Also, you know, stay out of a bathroom because, um, you know, victims can be um, drowned in the bathtub. Yeah. There's usually only one exit and one entrance, so then you can get trapped in there. Maybe don't run to the kitchen because, you know, there's pots and pans and knives and things that could really, they could be used to hurt you. Um, you know, just different kinds of things that you, you might not think about, but that are important to note. Maybe if you have a, f- a neighbor that is, um, you know, kind of keeps an eye out for you that you have felt safe trusting you know well if i'm you know flickering my porch light you know i need you to call the police oh Um, my goodness whatever it is you know it's whatever works because everything won't work for everybody right but just offer them just a few tips and things to talk about so that they can that they can keep as safe as possible well janine clipple with gateway domestic violence services thank you for the work that you're doing uh let's give that hotline number out for folks that are listening right now and want to keep it handy and may also know somebody who needs it. What is it? It's 303-343-1851. So for folks that can make a donation that want to help out Gateway Domestic Violence Services, what do they need to do? The best thing would be to go to our website, which is gatewayshelter.org. So gatewayshelter.org. There's a donate button right at the top. And you're right, donations have gone down as our numbers are going up. Our numbers have actually tripled since the start of the pandemic. Definitely difficult to hear, but Janine Klippel with Gateway Domestic Violence Services, thank you for the hard work that you're doing. You can always go to the station's website for more information. Go out, have a great Sunday, and be kind.